Welcome to I Guess We're Grownups Now, the podcast about adulthood and being the kind of grownups we want to be. I'm your host, Carrie Halstead. Today's episode is the first of two parts of a conversation with Adam Clark, a podcaster himself and someone who enjoys grappling with the complexities of being a grown-up. Show links for this episode can be found at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash nine. You can also find us on iTunes where you can download and subscribe to the podcast so you can be updated every time there's a new episode. You can also rate and review the show if you like it. You can find us on Twitter at grownups underscore FM or the contact information on goodstuff.fm slash grownups. The acknowledgement of the episode is to the late David Foster Wallace, a writer who put the struggle of being an adult into poetic reality with all its paradoxes and awkwardness. I love David Foster Wallace's writing, and I hope you can find something of his that you will enjoy reading as well. A good place to start would be with his collection of essays called A Supposedly Fun Thing I'll Never Do Again. The quote of the episode is from that book. I am now 33 years old, and it feels like much time has passed and is passing faster and faster every day. Day to day, I have to make all sorts of choices about what is good and important and fun, and then I will have to live with the forfeiture of all other options those choices foreclose. And I'm starting to see how, as time gains momentum, my choices will narrow and their foreclosures multiply exponentially until I arrive at some point on some branch of all life's sumptuous branch and complexity at which I am finally locked in and stuck on one path and time speeds me through stages of stasis and atrophy and decay until I go down for the third time, all struggle for naught, drowned by time. It is dreadful. But since it's my own choices that'll lock me in, it seems unavoidable. If I want to be any kind of grown-up, I'll have to make choices and regret foreclosures and try to live with them. I Guess We're Grown-Ups Now is sponsored by Campaign Monitor. Campaign Monitor enables goodstuff.fm to create beautiful newsletters, and working with them is fun. If you need to set up a newsletter for yourself or a client, try Campaign Monitor. It features Canvas, an easy-to-use builder, for creating email newsletters that look great everywhere, including on mobile devices. Thousands of their customers are using Canvas to reinvent what they send. Try creating a template for free at campaignmonitor.com dot com slash canvas. Thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff and I guess we're grown-ups now. And now here's my conversation with Adam Clark. I hope you enjoy. All right, joining us today is Adam Clark. Hi Adam. Hey Carrie. How's it going? It's going okay. <laughs> it's going okay. <laughs> it's either yeah. like three word answer to that or a three thousand word answer to that, right? Yeah, well, it, like like we were discussing before we started recording, it just depends on how well I know you. So, um, whether you get the, you get the, you know, always positive, everything's going great, you know, good seeing you, or I just start crying, you know. So, so that we get to know you just a little bit more, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. Well, my name is Adam, and I, uh, I, I guess I was going to immediately... See, that's the thing. That's the thing about my whole rant, is that when you said, tell me a little bit about yourself, my thought immediately went to, what do I do? You know, like, what, right. what's my job? And then I had this internal crisis, because it's like, I don't really know what I do at the moment. Um, I kind of, I make money, I guess, um, <laughs> and I make that through a lot of different ways, but, uh, 
but yeah, that's that's the whole that's part of the the bigger philosophical you know um, angle of that rant is just you just took us right there when you asked me tell me about myself and I immediately thought of the work that I do instead of you know I'm a dad and all that kind of stuff you know it's hard when um, somebody asks you even even if they ask directly what do you do and you don't have a firm handle on that it can make for a very awkward pause in front of what could be a virtual stranger and you have this um moment of like almost an existential crisis right there on the spot with a stranger totally yeah. Or even with close family. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, but at least so, they understand when. So, so many of my decisions in life have been based around how I would answer that question. So, <laughs> uh, oh man, like it's. Uh, I used to be a journalist. I, I was in the journalism industry for probably six years after college, and um, I think what I loved most about that job is when people asked what I did, I could say I'm a writer. Right. Um, that's, that was, that was the greatest joy of that job was, was answering that question. Cause I could, you know, in a snobby way, I could say, Oh, I'm a writer, you know, and, and people would be like, really? Like you don't run into many people that just say I'm a writer, like a paid professional writer, you know, and I loved, and when I quit that, that was the crisis in my head was, I'm not going to be able to say I'm a writer anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, how can I still say that I'm a a writer. I mean, that that to me is a lot more exciting than saying I'm a web designer. I do marketing and web stuff, you know. And um, and uh, <laughs> but at least at least with that, I can still say oh, I work for myself. I'm self-employed. You know, I started a company. It's all ego, Carrie. It's just you know, how can I how can I keep my ego, my fragile ego, from shattering? You know, um, so in my and- life. One of the things that you've done in the last year is launch uh, goodstuff.fm with Tim and Chris. And so being a podcaster is part of your many faceted answer to that question. Definitely. Although you've obviously been doing podcasting. I mean, you took it to the next level. You already had a podcast. Now you're also trying to run a podcast network. It adds a lot of levels to answering what do you do. It does, but the podcasting one is tough because even if I was just doing podcasting related stuff full time, which would, which is what I'm trying to do, that's still, that's even a harder question to answer because most people, when they say, what do you do? And you say, I'm a web designer, even if it's a simple, even if you just wanted to simplify it down to that, they know generally what that means. But with podcasting, um, I have no idea what to say. Um, in fact, I, I remember if I, this was either in my rant or it was on one of the shows I do recently where, you know, I was at my mom, my mom's wedding, um, two months ago. And, um, my wife's grandmother said, so, um, how, how is everything going? Like, what's this, what, what are you working on right now? And, I stood there and I was just like, I don't even know how to begin to explain what I'm working on right now because she would not even be familiar with the term podcast. So then I have to explain like, it's sort of like radio, but it's on the internet and, and it's just more confusing looks and it's just like, you know, 
I told, I can't remember when it was, but when you mentioned good stuff, you know, when I opened the bank accounts for good stuff and everything, uh, the teller was like, um, good stuff broadcasting LLC interest. What is that? What is that business? And I just said, do you know what a podcast is? And she said, Nope. And I was like, I was like, well, it it would just be too complicated to explain. But yeah, it's right. sort of like radio. And she goes, oh, okay. And then we moved along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I find um, even describing the fact that I have a podcast uncomfortable, even amongst people who I'm sure know what podcasts are, because to say I have a podcast, eh, it kind of feels like how professional bloggers must feel when, when they have to admit that they're they have a blog. Well, see, if I was a professional, like if I, if I had a blog that I lived off of, I would say I was a writer. I feel like that cause that's what that is. You're, you're a writer, but I don't, I don't feel the same comfort in saying I'm a broadcaster or I'm in radio because it's not the same. And, right. I think and part so, of it is that we've clearly identified the verb in writing. And yeah. It's always better, I think, to describe what you do in terms of verbs rather than nouns, but we start resorting to the noun radio every time we describe podcasting. Yeah, so if I just said I'm a talker, that doesn't <laughs> instead of a writer, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that makes any uh that makes even less I mean, so are you a therapist? Like what exactly are you? So actually I guess a the therapist would be a listener, so um so yeah, it's kind of all those things, and especially since I'm in a bit of transition right now, it's even harder when people ask what I do. Like I actively avoid that question at the moment because I really just don't. Or I just say I'm a web designer. You know, even though uh, very little of my time I spent on web design at the moment, it's just the simplest thing I can think of. You know. Right. It's like saying I'm fine to the question, "How are you?" Right. <laughs> uh, I'm a website. And I say, yeah, I'm a technical writer or I work for IBM is, is sort of my pat answer <laughs> yeah. to that. Like people can ask more if they have a firm enough understanding of what that might mean. Yeah. But, but a lot of people don't. And so you can just leave it with the pat answer. And But I think it is really interesting that um, I hadn't thought about this until you asked it, but it is very interesting that as soon as someone asks, maybe it's just me, but as soon as someone asks the question, um, you know, tell me about yourself, um, or who are you? Um, I immediately think of work, Mm. you know? Mm. And, um, that was part of my rant, uh, which inspired this, you know, you having me on this great show was, um, this podcast that I do, you know, I, uh, a while back, I decided, you know, I was going to, you know, I'm so in love with my hero, Mark Marin, that I decided I was going to try to do intros to my show like he does. And he has these fascinating monologues at the beginning of every show. And I realized that's a lot harder to do than it appears when some a professional comedian is doing it. Mm-hmm. But um, in my last show, I had an intro that I don't... I don't know if it was a rant. I don't know what it was. But anyway, it lasted 20 minutes, which is <laughs> kind of insanely long for an intro, um, at least in the podcast circles I run. And um, and that was kind of the point of 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 the intro is like, um, I feel like that question, who are you, is tied so much to meaning, like what 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 is, you know what is a meaning and purposeful life? And, um, and I immediately jumped to work, you know, and I, I, 
identify myself, you know, I attach my identity so closely to what I do. That's why it's a personal little mini existential crisis. Like that's why it's so hard to make business decisions as an entrepreneur or self-employed person, because you wrap up your whole, at least I do my whole identity in what that thing is and how good of an idea it is and whether or not it's succeeding or failing. And, um, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, the, there's a lot of things in there. And, and I think, um, we can talk about each of those things, um, in, in this time. So, um, one of the things that you seem to be struggling with in that rant, um, and, and that rant will be linked to in the show links for, for this episode. <coughs> one of the things that you touched on in it is the sense of not having a, a sense of where you are on the sort of the success scale. Like, I don't think you ever say it explicitly, but, but I really got that you weren't sure what to make of your uh, professional life. Um, yeah, like, I don't know that it's so much like success or failure as it is. Um, the web industry is 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 kind of its own little bubble of an industry. And over the last year, I've kind of put another foot into the online business industry, which definitely overlaps with the with the web industry. But it's got its own set of little things. And there are a lot of people in the online business industry, which typically we would call these people things like content marketers or whatever, um, you know, like you said, either they're professional bloggers or they sell info products or some sort of ebook or course or something like that. And I've always been attracted to that because, you know, um, I really, really enjoy learning, um, new things and then talking about those things. And so I've always wanted to do something like that. But there's this constant internal struggle to um, not add more noise to the universe, but add more signal, you know, actually add something of value. And that's why I went off on the, in there in that rant about, you know, for me, the little course that I'm that I want to put together and try to sell and help people with is, is podcasting because it's something that I enjoy doing and I get a lot of questions but then I just had this moment where I was like, you know, it, I, it, it's um, clearly it matters. You know, the technical details matter. They can, you know, you, your podcast can sound like shit or it can sound great. And that's can make a big difference in whether or not it is, quote, successful. But at the end of the day, it doesn't none of that stuff really matters. What matters is you. What matters is what you say, your voice, your personality, you know, um, what you're you know, the, the thoughts and things that you're putting out there. And part of my struggle that has been, that has been my whole life really is, um, this fear that deep down there, you know, there is, that's empty. Like that, that, uh, that jar is empty <laughs> for me. Like there is, like there is nothing of value, or nothing of, you know, nothing new or nothing worthwhile to put out there. So I, I consume my time with 
all the superfluous technical details. Um, because if I remove the widgets and the gizmos and the, you know, if I remove all the, the strategy and the planning and all that stuff, um, all I have left is actually to just say something. And when I'm faced with that, then there's that fear of, well, I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to say that's uh, worthwhile. And so it was this struggle of wanting to um, make the living, um, feeling like I don't want to be a huckster. I don't want to be a con artist. I don't want to just, I don't want to, because I, I know how. Like I could, I could put together a business strategy for a podcast or whatever and launch it and work my ass off at it and make a successful living at it. I'm absolutely confident of that. But, but why does it matter? Why does the world need another Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial podcast interviewing all the same people asking all the same questions? And yes, maybe I'd be doing it in my own voice and my own personality, but it doesn't add anything. You know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, doesn't change it doesn't add anything that hasn't already uh been said or, or said better and so then i go and search for who am i and right. what do i really have to say that is you know valuable and i always end up not finding anything and that sends me into this little existential crisis of you know what 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 the hell is my whole like you know what's the meaning of life and why am i here and <laughs> you know and <laughs> And, you know, and, and, and it's a spiral from there and right. to, yeah. <laughs> right. So to look inside yourself and, and see nothing, which is kind of what you just said. Yeah. Is very scary. I mean, yeah. that, that's the classic, you know, Nietzsche, the void staring back, like. Totally. Like that's, that's, that is the crisis. I think. Um, that all of us experience at some level, if we have any sort of intellectual honesty going on in our lives. Um, and the problem with it is that it does feel very alone. And I know you, you said in your rant, like you don't, you wonder whether anybody feels like this. And, and I gather from our conversation that a few people have said, actually, yeah, you know, I, I do feel this, but in that moment, you're completely alone. Yeah, no, I definitely got a lot of feedback. People saying really identified. It was very validating to hear someone express those thoughts and everything. And this isn't exactly answering your question. But unfortunately, even though I did get a lot of positive feedback, it still left me with, well, so what? Well, so, right. so everyone identified with that, but that still doesn't tell me what what I am or who I am or what I should do because right. I can't just, you know... Everybody's um, way out of that is different. Yeah. Well, it's it's also, it's just that I can't um, imagine a podcast of that every week, you know? Yeah. Um, no, You know, right. it's, 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 it's very, it's validating the first time, you know, yeah. but after a while it's just like, you know, I wish this guy would just shut up and actually do something. And, and that's where, that's where it comes to. But, but to what you were saying about anyone with intellectual honesty has to admit that, you know, um, I, I've been, I think it's been what, two years now? I've been seeing this, uh, a therapist and it's actually been great. Like, it's kind of weird to say, like, you see a therapist because people automatically assume, like, oh, what's wrong with you? You no, know, like, no. were you, you know, did yeah. you, were you abused as a child or whatever? <laughs> but, but I feel like pretty much every human being on the planet could benefit from 
Um, and, and, and you know what? I think everyone does have their own version of a therapist. Maybe it's a friend that they just talk to every week and kind of, uh, um, they're a sounding board for them, but some of us just actually, um, pay someone with a degree to (laughs) do that. But, um, but he said the same thing. I said, you know, I look around at some of my friends, like I have a friend here in Chattanooga and he is, um, he delivers ice. For a living. That's what he does. He drives around a truck and delivers ice. And um, and he lives on a farm. And um, he uh, is perfectly happy. Like, he doesn't seem to have any... Um, like, there's no desire for... And this is going to sound like I'm criticizing anyone who just has a job or whatever. And I'm not doing that at all. But the point is, is that he doesn't seem to question anything like it's just like this is his life this is the job that he does and he goes home and eats dinner with his girlfriend and you know and maybe watches a little tv and then does it the next day and that's life and he's just perfectly happy with it all and and i'm like how do you live that way you know like i can't i'm just a constant ball of um questions all the time whether or not i was delivering ice or i was you know curing cancer i would still be every single day filled with this inner turmoil of what does it all mean and how does it all fit together and and where's my place in it and why does it matter and my friend therapist guy incidentally whose name is dr phil um is (laughs) um said um, you know, and I told, I was like, you know, I just feel like I'm doomed to always be, um, um, I'm never going to be content. That's what I want is really to just be content and okay with life the way it is. And he said, well, honestly, anyone, he didn't say it as nicely as you did. He said kind of, you know, anyone, anyone with minimal brain functionality is gonna, um, is gonna struggle with contentment. I mean, if you're going to take an honest look at the world in your life, you're going to have a hard time being content because there are big questions, uh, big issues that we can't answer. And so, um, uh, it was kind of validating for him to say, yeah, well, I mean, if you're just perfectly happy, just floating along in your life and, and don't have any questions or doubts or wonder about anything, then you're just not thinking enough about it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm sort of happy for those people, but I, Me too, I, yeah. I would miss that part of myself as well. Like in some ways I don't ever want to stop grappling with frustration or emptiness or too much of life. Um, it's a struggle. Like have you ever seen, I'm sure you've seen the movie, the matrix. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so like one of my favorite parts of that movie is when, oh man, now I'm going to forget the character's name. Um, the, the, the bald, uh, guy who played the, the one who betrayed everyone, right, uh, yeah. Cypher, was that his name? I don't remember. Anyway, he's having the conversation with agent Smith and he's eating the steak and he's like, um, he's like, I want to go back in. I don't want any memory of, of the reality. Mm. I just want to, like he said, he said, you know what? Because the one thing I've realized is true is that ignorance is bliss. And I don't know if that, I don't know if that is true. I don't know what that says about me, but part of me feels like I would rather, you know, just not, not be, I was going to say not be enlightened, but that sounds really douchey to say. I don't mean like I am or something, but I would rather not think about these things in a way. And part of me would rather just, 
you know, um, not have the kind of brain that constantly wants to know answers to everything, you know, answers to all the whys in life, because then I could just live in the moment and be happy, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, um, it's fruitless to want that though, because that's not who we are. Um, so the question is, what do you do then? And I guess there's a few, I mean, you can try to fill up the, the gap or, you know, however you, um, placate the, the gnawing dogs of your, of your mind, you know, get them to shut up. Um, yeah. Or, or you can find, I guess, constructive ways to exercise that part of your brain that don't like take you into paralysis. Yeah. I think there's got to be a way that, um, um, that this can be beneficial. Like there's, there's gotta be a way to deal with things. I don't know that I've exactly figured out what it is, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's weird. It's just weird to be mid thirties and have kids and all this stuff and feel so, um, uh, insecure about everything, like just no answers for anything. And, um, especially like, you know, I was raised in like an ultra, ultra conservative Christian family. Like I, I would almost say, you know, the, the, the brand of Christianity we were raised in was a cult. I mean, it's not real because I would still call myself a Christian now. And that would be, you know, someone who, you know, right. Reads the Bible and that kind of stuff and goes to church and, and there's, you know, stuff there. But what I was raised in was, was far beyond that. But the, the thing is, is that, it's so difficult for like, I have to feel perfectly con- I have to feel absolutely confident in an answer before I can state it. So if my daughter asks me, um, is four plus four, eight, I can say yes to that question, you know, cause I know that that's true. But if she asks me any kind of question that, um, is nuanced or whatever, I I'm completely paralyzed. I don't know how to answer, you mm-hmm. know, when she says, she says, um, you know, I don't know, like, uh, um, what happens after we die or what, um, you know, when, when we're dinosaurs on the earth and I'm not an archeologist or something, I don't really know when that was. I just, uh, for some reason I can't just say, oh, it was a few million years ago, babe, but I don't really know exactly. You know, I just freeze up and it's like this paralyzing, oh, I'm a terrible father because I don't have this answer, you right. know, um, right. I've got to have these answers and, um, and some people I don't think are like that. They're, they're okay with not having all the answers. And I think my upbringing has had a big effect on me wanting to know all the answers, yeah. you know, cause we were kind of raised with that. Here is your absolute moral code. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is the answer to all your questions. Right. And when you grow up and realize that doesn't actually answer all my questions, well, what does? So I'm, it's like I've been ingrained with this desire to have and know absolute answers, but it's a crutch really. You know, it's like, um, it doesn't change my life if I knew the answer. It just gives me peace of mind, hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it's hard to just come to grips with the fact that 
there's a lot of stuff in the world that I'm never going to know the answer to and that I have to be okay with that. And I don't know how to, <laughs> I haven't, haven't gotten okay with it yet. Right. Well, and I think being raised like that, I was raised in a fairly conservative household too. Um, <coughs> and, and I, and I think that does, um, make you definitely warps your brain a little bit. It does. Sure. And it makes you need that definite answer. I don't yeah. think you're doing your kids any favors. If you want to sort of break that cycle, if you either um, dance around the fact that you don't know the answer or that you give the tried and true, you know, here's the fact answer. Like, I think, I think it's okay. This is not the parenting podcast, but I think it's okay to tell <laughs> your kids that it's okay to not know the answer and to say, Hey, and I don't feel comfortable with the fact that I don't know the answer. Yeah, well, and then to ask them, well, what do you think? Because that's a great way to find out how actually unimportant the answer is to their <laughs> lives at that stage. No, I know. And they're only seven and five at this point. So <laughs> at least the questions are not like too, too deep. But still, it's well, when you they know, ask I'm, you what happened to you, what happens after you die. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, what I basically say at this point is like I say to tell you the truth. I don't know what happens. Right. Um, this is what I think happens because this is what I believe, but I don't know for sure, you know? And, um, but the problem is that answer just leads to 15 million more questions. And so <laughs> part bedtime. of me just wants, yeah, part of me just wants to say, well, you go to heaven or you go to hell and <laughs> just give them, give them this pat answer. And then, and then there's no more questions because, you know, they got their answer. You know? Right. So it's, it's difficult to be, they can intellectually honest with your kids because then you and then it goes turns into a an hour long with a five-year-old just why everything is answered with well why right and you give that answer well why that well and then well why that and eventually you're just like i just i, I can't talk anymore right now daddy has to take a phone call or something <laughs> you know right so yeah we can talk about this later uh, or yeah you know why don't we talk about this on our walk on sunday or something like that yeah yeah, totally. But they never want to do that later either. They have like no. little short little memories and yeah. I know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, um, like I said, I think this kind of started out around work and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> how we got, I don't know how we got there. But um, um, but yeah, for me, it's something that I really struggle with is like identifying myself like finding meaning in, um, outside of what I do. Yeah. You know? So, so meaning is an interesting thing. Do you, do you think there is meaning to work? There's, do you, I think that there is meaning to work? Yeah. Like, well, I was going to say to life, but yeah, I mean, I think that is the problem is that I think there is to both and I haven't found it. So that's, that's what creates the whole, the whole uh, turmoil, the whole issue is um, um, I look at certain people who, you know, just put out, let's say they're artists or mm -hmm. they're philosophers or whatever they are, the stuff that they write or produce or create, the stuff that they put out there is just filled with so much value and not necessarily value in like, you know, um, practical steps to achieving something, but it's either value in... Um, like aesthetic beauty or value in, in one form or another. And then, like you said, you're like I said, feeling like 
um, I don't have that in me. So, um, so what do I do? You know? So when those people are making, let's do a little thought experiment. When those people are making that work of art or, or work, do you think that their approach to it is, ah, I've just discovered what my meaning is. I'm going to put it into this piece of work. No, I don't think so. Um, so, so given that, that it's more likely that they discover or that they embody meaning as they work, why do you think we think it's important for us to discover meaning before we start the work? I don't know if everyone thinks that way is a thing, you know, um, I just know that there's so many, uh, there, it's tied into so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, you could say that it's tied into a deep fear of failure, but if you go a little deeper than that, um, by asking, well, what is failure? Um, failure is not, um, for me, not paying the bills. I mean, that might be part of it. I might feel like a shitty dad if I couldn't pay the bills and that would definitely make me feel like a failure but it's not that kind of failure that I'm so paralyzed by it's failure is um um being a uh what's the word I'm looking for um un invaluable is not the right word unvaluable whatever the opposite of valuable is um being a human being that has um nothing to contribute Um, so, so that's, so it's, it's so tied up in those things. So every like business idea, all these things are wrapped up in, you know, um, um, what are people going to think of this? Like, is this really valuable? Is it, you know, just all those different questions that, um, and that's why a lot of times people are like, you just, you know, you just got to stop thinking, Adam, just, just, just do something, just do something. Because if you're, what you're afraid of is not producing something of value and that keeps you from producing anything. Right. Then you certainly won't have produced anything of value because you just stopped. Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't think any of these great artists or writers or whatever, you know, I interviewed, um, one of my favorite authors for an upcoming show, um, last week. And, um, you know, I was just talking to him about some of this stuff and it was, uh, the thing that I have heard from people over and over again is that, um, the difference between like the people that I'm talking about that we look at and admire and Mm -hmm. feel like have contributed greatly to humanity. Um, it's not talent or brilliance. Um, I mean, there might be little bits of that at play, but the real difference between them and everyone else is just, um, showing up, you know, they just showed up every day and kept doing what they were doing. And, um, despite whether or not they felt inspired or whether or not they thought it was a piece of shit or whatever, they just kept showing up. And, um, and I, I thought, you know, that I think that's true. I think, you know, there's people like me who get so paralyzed by these fears, they don't do anything. Um, and, you know, it's not talent. Like it's not, I really don't think it's like we're born with, um, genius or not. Um, like I said, maybe there is some of that at play, but for the most part, I think it is, it's, um, it is just hard work. It's Mm -hmm. just, um, the people who show up, you know, like this writer friend of mine, he was like, people hand me manuscripts. They're like, I want to be a writer or whatever. And he's like, okay, go like, 
rent a cabin or do something, find some place isolated uh, for a month and write, you know, um, this many words every single day. And then they're like, oh, well, I can't do that because I've got this and I've got that and I can't, you know, I couldn't write that much in a day anyway. And then he gets all these excuses and he's like, okay, then, well, then, you know, you don't really want to be a writer, you know, or maybe you want to be, but you're never going to be, you know, because saying you want to be a professional baseball player. Yeah. Like the point is you just have to, and, and his point was the people who get books published, the people who are actually quote writers out there, aren't because they have some amazing talent or have some super interesting life stories to tell. It's just that they show up every day and they write every single day. And eventually after enough time of that, a book pops out or, you know, whatever they find the thing in there that they can, that they can publish or they can, um, um, sell or or whatever it is. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of where I'm trying to apply myself is to just show up every day and do it, even if I think it sucks mm-hmm. and and not be afraid of not being afraid of being a fool. You know what I mean? Totally. Like that's 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 really big is like this fear of appearing um, foolish or a loser, basically. Like right. you, no one wants to think that they're a loser or that other people think they're a loser. And when you're going to step out there and just put it all on the line, that's what you're, you know, that's what you're, that's what you're putting on the line there is, is the, uh, you know, people could respond to this and say, that guy's an idiot, you know? Um, and for me, that fear of, of people thinking of me that way is what most of the time keeps me from showing up every day and, and, and launching something. Right. You know? Yeah, I totally know. I mean, my latest feedback on iTunes about this podcast is that the audio is too bad to make it to listen to it. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I actually got that feedback in a very public. Yeah, but that's, but that's, but that's, yeah. And maybe for you, that's that's like really like that's a big blow. But it's like that's that's technical. I mean, um, that's that's a commodity. I mean, you know, right? A more expensive microphone would fix that problem right exactly it'd be different if your feedback was um please stop putting this podcast out there because your voice is annoying and 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 your ideas are stupid yeah exactly you know you're you are a worthless human being and you're cluttering the universe with your with your mouth so just you know (laughs) stop it i expect to get that around comment 99 (laughs) What's interesting is that I've actually never gotten that feedback about anything I've done. Well, but no, I'm still nobody convinced. will ever say that to you. Well, it's not even that I don't think anyone would ever say that. It's that, you know, I actually had an argument with someone the other day where they were saying, no, this thing you wrote actually really did help me. And I was like, no, it didn't. <laughs> and I was like, you may think it did, but it, it, it really didn't. It was really actually pretty worthless. And they're like, no, it, it really did. And I'm like, no, it, it didn't. You know, so like. We're in this argument where he's trying to convince me that, you know, what I said or did was valuable and I still like I I just refuse to believe it, you know. Well, and you know what, that's fair. I mean, I think we have to take positive feedback with a grain of salt in the same way that we have to take negative feedback. Like if I'm going to buy um, you know, Chris Anza's uh feedback on iTunes, oh, you know, Carrie 
this is a great podcast and it's very exciting and blah, blah, blah. Then if I take that seriously, then I also have to take that your audio sucks. Um, as seriously, like if, if your only motivation is praise, then sure. Then, uh, criticism will stop you in your tracks. Yeah. So you need but to your like, audio. Sort of go. Yeah. But your, your audio sucks is fixable. That's fi- That's except that I don't that's care. Not to a, fix uh, it. You know, so, yeah. so in some ways I'm, I've chosen to not fix it. And so I'm going to move on despite and, and in the right. face of getting negative feedback about it. So I don't know. I'm, I, my point is, is that like I concern myself with details like audio quality and, you know, the design of my blog. And, you know, I, I wrote a post about a year ago about this, which is like the only post, the only thing I've ever written that kind of, I don't want to say it went viral or anything, but it just, it started getting tweeted around a lot. And a lot of people responded and said, man, I feel exactly the same way. And the whole, that was the whole point of that is that I concern myself with things like audio quality and processes and software and designs because I have to, you know, if I don't concern myself with those things, then all I'm left with is actually having to do something, having to (laughs) say something or write something. And that is facing like the ultimate fear. Like I said, that there's nothing valuable there to say or write or do. So I kind of fill my time with all the um, peripheral things to make myself feel like I'm accomplishing something. But in reality, you know, as you said, the audio, none of that stuff really matters. You know, what matters is what you say, what you have to say. Well, and no, but not. there's a third thing that matters as well, and that is the saying, the making. Like, not, it's not, just the, end, it's not just the end product of what you oh, say that yeah. matters, but also the action of doing that that matters, right? Yeah. It's not just the painting on the wall that matters. It is also the effort and the, and the fact that the artist did it that matters so so it's and i say this as a way of trying to encourage you there's value in the making of the podcast or whatever it is even if the end result is kind of kind of vapid or invaluable or doesn't help anybody there's still something to be said for the doing of it yeah, but I think people who can do that are people who are a lot farther along than me, like mentally um, or in uh, maturity, where they realize that what matters most is how they feel about themselves and not how the world feels about them. And so, yeah, to get satisfaction meeting out of the journey, I think, is the ideal. But um, I think, like, you have to have reached a place where you're truly you know, what matters most to you is, like I said, um, how you feel about yourself Mm -hmm. and not how um, everyone else feels. And I don't think I've reached that place. I'm still very much concerned (laughs) about how much (laughs) what everyone else thinks. And that's it for today's episode. We'll pick up the rest of the conversation in the follow-up episode next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to my sponsor, Campaign Monitor, and to goodstuff.fm.